Well, you may not know this, but this is one of my favorite times of year, even though it has been a long time, many, many years since I was a student myself, I find a certain exhilaration when summer ends and area schools begin a new year. I am a lifelong learner, and so I am especially delighted at this time of year when school supplies fill the shelves and the kids in my neighborhood return to stand on the corners of our neighborhood for their bus stops in the morning. This is a season that is full of new goals, offering a fresh start and a turn from the openness of summer to the focus of fall. Now, when I lived in a college town in North Carolina, I was re-energized each fall when the rush of students returned to start classes for the new semester. The whole town was buzzing with more people, more cars, and more activity as the school year moved into full swing. And here at Second, we return to the program year with more energy around church school, with the return of the choir to worship, and by welcoming back those who prefer that worship begins at the more stately hour of 11 a.m. <laughs> now, let us be clear. Rally Day is not a liturgical celebration. Jesus never preached about starting up regular routines after a summer respite. And yet, there is a palpable energy in the air today, similar to other celebrations in the church. And I don't think that's just the high from donut holes before Sunday school. After summer adventures, trips, and schedules, we are ready to gather back to worship God and to serve our neighbors with renewed intention. In our own way, we are ready to begin a new class of discipleship and service. Now, of course, you know, many classes begin with a syllabus, an outline of the material that will be covered, and the expectations set by the teacher. Last week, Roger preached from Romans 12, setting forth expectations for the early church and for us today, such as to let love be genuine, to show hospitality to new faces, and to live peaceably with all people and all creation. Now, today's text further clarifies the assignment, setting forth what we as God's people are called to do and what God does as well. I chose this text for today for our rally day, for our kickoff Sunday, because it is a beautiful reminder of God's work and our assignment. Now you remember, 
Isaiah speaks to a people who are in exile, missing their homeland and living under the rule of their captors. Isaiah's audience is not in celebration mode like we are today. They are seeking a way forward, searching for how to be faithful under oppression. We may be living in a different context than Isaiah's audience, but we can still learn from the prophet's message. We can gain insight into our work and God's work as we turn to our faith with renewed intention. So I invite you to listen in to this text from the prophet Isaiah chapter 55. You'll note in your bulletin, I will be reading from Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, starting with verse 6. Seek God while God's here to be found. Pray to him while he's close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their way of life and the evil their way of thinking. Let them come back to God, who is merciful. Come back to our God, who is lavish with forgiveness. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do, says God. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. So you'll go out in joy. You'll be led into a whole and complete life. The mountains and the hills will lead the parade bursting with song. All the trees of the forest will join the procession exuberant with applause. No more thistles, but giant sequoias. No more thorn bushes, but stately pines. Monuments to me, to God, living and lasting evidence of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, beloved of God, this is good news. In this text, the work of the people is plain. Seek God and pray. To a people who feel adrift and far from their homeland, the assurance that God is close at hand is sure to sound like much-needed comfort. God is present, ready to listen with mercy and forgiveness. God's people are not to worry themselves over those who wander and are willful. God will welcome them back with lavish forgiveness, in Peterson's translation. 
our assignment, according to Isaiah here, is to look for God's presence and to pray. We are called to pay attention to the divine and to unite our hearts with God's heart in prayer. Now, Romans 12 reminds us of the different ways we are called to live this out. But today's assignment is simply said, seek God and pray. This is our work over the next year as we gather and serve, as we worship and sing, as we listen and learn, as we seek to love God and love our neighbors near and far. All the while, we seek God and we pray. Well, I hate to warn you, but class is not over. Isaiah has more to share. God's work is described beyond God's mercy and forgiveness for those who return to the way. God emphasizes that while the people are called to seek God and pray, God's thoughts and God's work is different from ours. Isaiah reminds us that the divine thinks and acts in ways we cannot fully understand or copy. Using the lovely metaphor of the rain and the snow, as they water the earth producing vegetation and food, God's words do not return without completing their work. God's word is not hot air. God's word nurtures the people and all creation to complete the assignment, to fulfill God's purpose. God's word creates the heavens and the earth in Genesis, and God's word continues to create hope for all creation to experience joy and complete life good news for God's people in exile then, and good news for us today. We trust that the new heaven and the new earth described in Revelation, where mourning and crying are no more, that new heaven and new earth are a part of God's promised joy and peace to come. God's word is not finished, and God's work is not complete until all creation is able to rejoice. God understands that our thoughts are not like God's thoughts, and God knows that we cannot fathom the mind of the holy while God is confident in the promises of a whole and complete life even for a people living in exile, we are fearful of what lies ahead at times. While God is certain that God's word of love and life will not come back empty-handed, we can be uncertain of what to believe and in whom to trust. A mentor of mine, the Reverend Dr. Stephen Ray, 
recently left his position as president and professor at a seminary to serve as pastor of a church in Connecticut. And as he returns to the patterns of being a pastor, Dr. Ray describes the complexity of the fears we carry with us and the certainty of God's hope in a recent post of his on Facebook. Dr. Ray writes, while fear is not what gathers people into the households of God, it is the companion which crosses the threshold with them. Fear of a world on fire, fear of a collapsing democracy, fear that no generation will ever again know the prosperity of the boomers, fear that like the furniture our children dread inheriting, our values will be left by the wayside of time. Our pews are not empty, for beside each one gathered is at least two or three of these fears on the cushion beside them. For such a congregation, a word of hope, grounded in confidence that with God all will be well, is the only balm. He says what the Spirit has for us all in the midst of this uncertainty is exhilarating. But I know that this journey began and will end with the confidence in my heart that all will be well. The prophet Isaiah echoes Dr. Ray's insight that God's hope that all will be well is the final word. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. I believe that is why so often throughout the biblical story, when God shows up, God's first words are, do not fear, do not be afraid. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and yet God understands the fears we carry with us. God meets us where we are, and assures us that fear will not have the final word. God's ways are not our ways. So we are instructed to pray and to seek God so that we can follow more faithfully. And as we acknowledge our routine of fear, I want to say a word about joy. The joy God promises is not to be forced. If you are not in a joyful spirit today, that does not mean that you are not included in God's promises. Joy is a gift, not guaranteed by attending a celebration or by being around people who are themselves rejoicing. God's hope in this passage is that the people will be granted joy, even if they least expect it. Our assignment is to pay attention so that we can note when joy alights in our hearts. Wendell Berry, a writer and theologian, describes the joy found in nature when he writes, I sat one summer evening and watched a great blue heron make its descent from the top of the hill into the valley. He came down at a measured, deliberate pace, stately as always, 
like a dignitary going down a stair. And then, at a point I judged to be midway over the river, without at all varying his wing beat, he did a backward turn in the air, a loop-the-loop. It could only have been a gesture of pure exuberance, of joy, a speaking of his sense of the evening, the day's fulfillment, his descent homeward. He made just that one slow turn and then flew on out of sight in the direction of the slough, farther down in the bottom. The movement was incredibly beautiful, at once exultant and stately, a benediction on the evening and on the river and on me. It seemed so perfectly to confirm the presence of a free, non-human joy in the world. While well, the heron echoes the joy of the mountains and hills bursting in song and the trees of the field and forest clapping in Isaiah, God hopes for all creation to experience such gifts of joy. Yet these glimpses of joy are not something you can schedule in your Google Calendar. You can't plan to feel a sense of joy beginning at precisely 3.18 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. If your heart is heavy, be true to your feelings. If you are grieving a recent diagnosis or the difficulty of recovery, or the tragedy of over 2,000 lives lost in Morocco. Please do not hear this word from the Lord as a push to force yourself to feel joyful. Let your heart grieve and trust that God hopes you will feel joy again. God understood that the people listening to Isaiah were grieving. And God understands when you and I grieve too. God does not want to push a culture of toxic positivity and artificial optimism. Isaiah describes the joy that comes when all creation, the mountains and the hills, the trees and all the people will be led out with joy and will return with peace. Such joy and peace experienced by all creation is the ultimate work of our God and the final assignment of God's work. It is not our job to complete, but by seeking God and praying, we can get a glimpse of such delight. So, dear saints of second, we are called to seek God and to pray. And as we look for signs of God's presence in our midst, we look for glimpses of God's promised joy and peace. You might see it as you watch a child bound off the school bus and excitedly head home. You might get a taste of God's goodness as you share a meal of macaroni and cheese and barbecue in the chapel today. You might witness God's peace 
as you listen to the choir glorify God. You might feel God's joy as you celebrate with Kelly today, giving thanks for her ministry here and sending her off with God's hope as she begins a new call. You might feel God's peace as a beloved pet sleeps soundly snuggled next to you. You might catch a glimpse of God's joy as you watch the trees pop with red, yellow, and bright orange, reminding you how God loves beauty. However God may speak to you in the coming weeks, I hope you sense God's steadfast presence and plans for joy and peace for all creation. Keep your eyes open and your heart ready. Our work is to look for God and to pray. And we trust that God handles the rest. And indeed, all will be well. Let us pray. Merciful God, we give thanks for your steady presence and your lavish forgiveness. We strive to seek your face and to follow your will as we love you and love our neighbors. Refresh our hearts and grant us courage to serve you boldly as we begin a new season. Lead us with your love, we pray. We ask all this and more in the name of your beloved Son. Amen. <laughs>